Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Shoulder Charge and this week we're going to start off by talking about Toronto because I'm asking the question are they in a false position at the moment because let's just look at the fixtures that they've had so far so they've had to start off with Castleford then they had Salford then it was Wigan then it was Warrington a few more tough games coming up for them next week uh, first it's Saints and then I think they might have Hull FC I think but yeah so they've played Castleford some are saying they might get top 5 this year they play Wigan top 5 contenders, grand final contenders and they've played Warrington also grand final contenders they, they seem to have been getting better each week they let in quite a lot of points, 28, 24, 32 and 32 again. So they concede a lot of points. But against the week before against Wigan, they were well in it for quite a long time in that match. Then this week, well, the week gone by, Warrington were running the show, got 22 points on the board. And then uh, Toronto drew level 22-22. And they seem to be doing quite well. You know, this is a newly promoted side and they're scoring 22 points against the Challenge Cup holders. They weren't that far behind Salford either. And they're yet to actually face a relegation-threatened side. And I think the opening fixtures have been tough for them. And it's going to be a long while before they start picking up points due to the fact that they've had a very tough opening few fixtures. I think they don't play whole KR till middle of March and I think that's a Challenge Cup weekend as well. So that one will be put back as well. And they've got the Fred Burr squad which is never going to be easy in a first season in the Super League. You know, you need that squad depth. But they've adopted a style that says balls to the traditions we're just gonna attack 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 and see what happens we're gonna put in as many offloads in as we can do and see what happens and when I go into the stats a little bit later on in the podcast you know you'll see that style highlighted in the stats because in terms of errors and offloads you know they're right up there and I think um, it was no surprise that Warrington v Toronto had 54 points in it because these are two similar team. These are two teams who play a very similar style, and it can be to both their detriments actually. But Toronto will be boosted by the fact that they've got Tony Gigo, who's playing for free for a month is that in the rules the RFL say that's in the rules I think is he be, is he considered an amateur <laughs> bit of a bizarre one there but you know in the history of signings players will rather be out on the sidelines than take a pay cut never mind playing for free for a month you would imagine he's getting 
a similar salary as to what he would have done at Catalans. So is he going to have some some sort of image rights bonuses, some sort of um, you know cash payment that's not included in the salary? We've seen that with um, Saracens who have been absolutely fine to the hilt, docked so many points because a salary cap mismanagement. I don't think Toronto would be so stupid as to do something like that. But it's hard to believe that a player of Tony Gigo's stature would be playing a month with no benefits whatsoever other than playing, other than having a club. Doesn't sound like that is realistic. But he's, added, he's, he's an addition to the squad and it's certainly what they needed. So yeah. I think Toronto are in a bit of a false position. I think they've done quite well in the recent weeks, but they've lost. But I don't think any of us... Well, I was looking at my predictions over this over this season and seeing, putting a bit of a table together, seeing where everyone would be had I got everything right. And I've not predicted one Toronto win yet. So they're firmly at the bottom on zero points, which... That's what's happened. They're the only team not to win a game. But I think you put them up against lower half sides for a couple of weeks and I think they start picking up points. Anyway, that's enough for Toronto for the time being. We might as well have a look at the games that was last week. First up, it were Castleford v Wakefield and Castleford won that one 32-15. And at half time, they were fairly matched, to be honest. You know, Wakefield, coming up, they were coming off the back of that 18-8 uh, win against Warrington, so there was quite a few people not quite sure how this game would have gone after that uh, shock win. But uh, I had it down as Castleford, and that is what happened. But... For a lot of the game, they were certainly neck and neck, and I can't remember whether this was at the end of the match or at half time, but at certainly a stage in the game, both sides had a 94% completion rate of sets, so there were little room for manoeuvre there, and Castleford defended quite well, I thought. You know, there was one moment in particular in the match. I think Wakefield were given a zero tackle set and Castleford defended every single one and you thought, you know, Castleford, see, they, they're going to take control now. They've just defended a seven set, seven tackle set. But then, you know, as soon as they got, got the ball back, in their own 20 metres, it wasn't, they knocked the ball on. So they balls that one up, and it 
as a, as a result, it was that Tom Johnston diving try, which, no matter how many times I've seen that, I didn't, uh, it, I'm not too sure on the rules, but he definitely looked in touch. Does he have to, does his leg have to be touching the sideline to be in touch? He was in the air, he was definitely over the line in the air, but yeah, he got, he got the try anyway. I think Castleford were a bit over-eager, to be honest. I think they gave up a lot of metres and good positions through the fact that they were just doing ball steals. And to be honest, I don't, I don't think there were many standout performances, actually, in that result. There weren't anybody you thought, right, he's the top player, he's a difference maker. I thought... It was Castleford who were challenging for top five against Wakefield who were giving everything they've got but weren't quite up to it. I thought it looked like two kind of middle of the road sides to be honest. But yeah, it's Castleford who's got the two points. And they're near the top of the table now, so well, the the joint top, although Huddersfield are first because they've not lost. But they level on points. So, you know, you can't ask for more than that. Then it was Hull KR v Huddersfield. Now Hull KR are in a spot of bother. Because it's just one win out of three. And that win were on the opening day against the relegation rivals, Wakefield. Since then they've lost every game. And now, well, they already had a lot of injuries. Now they're without Harvey Levert and Matt Parcell. And this match against Huddersfield, they only, ma they only managed to get four points. So it was very nearly a nil score. And taking away that opening round, I don't think they've looked that good, to be honest. They did quite well in the whole FC game, but they lost anyway. And you know, take that away, and they don't look that good, and we know why they're not that good, and I'm going to tell you about that in more detail in a short while when we move on to talk about the stats, but from the highlights, Aidan Caesar had another game, surprise, surprise, and for Huddersfield... That's actually three away wins on the bounce for them. Three games, three wins, three away wins. And, as I just mentioned then, when we move on to the stats, I'll delve a bit more deeper into those away wins for Huddersfield. Because it's quite interesting. And, Huddersfield, after four games, still unbeaten. Oh, sorry, not, not, four, not four games, three games. Still unbeaten. The next three for them, this is going to test whether, you know, test how much they've got. Are they going to stay unbeaten after this? They've got Wigan, Saints and Wakefield. Obviously, I think that Wakefield one coincides with a Challenge Cup match where they'll be playing Toronto. But you're looking at them next three fixtures and you think, 
if they're still unbeaten by then, then that's bloody interesting. They're a top five contender if they're still unbeaten after playing Wigan, Saints and Wakefield. If if they win two out of three of those, then, you know, even that is top five contending. So, yeah, it'll be a good test for them, those next two matches, and it'll be a real indicator as to where they're going to finish. Next three for Hull KR, these are important as well because they've got Castleford, then they've got Wigan, and then they've got Toronto. Again, third match coincides with Challenge Cup, so I'm not sure when they'll be played. But Hull KR have got to start picking up points because, you know, the other sides are going to drift apart if they don't. Then Warrington v Toronto. Warrington won 32-22. And at the start, Warrington were bossing it. And then, as I referred earlier, they, they drew level 22-22. Newly promoted Toronto with a Fred Burr squad. Some kind of overrated Super League players and a lot of championship. And, you know... These are two of the biggest risk-takers in Super League. So I think it's no surprise that Toronto got 22 points. Because these are two sides that are offloading it at every opportunity. But I think the sides doing these offloads, I think they need to pick the certain games where they're going to do offloads and in other games where they're going to take less risks and be more disciplined and not give much away because, you know, if you're doing that every game, you're going to get scares like this where you, 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 you come close to losing a game that you should have comfortably won. And it's the inconsistent Warrington again. You know, what we said about them last year was that they were brilliant for so long and then they were totally inconsistent. Well, I think this switch to being, to doing all these offloads, I don't think that's going to rectify the inconsistencies. And they should have won that game more comfortably. And are they, are they going to be a top sides doing all those offloads? Because I, I'm doubtful whether they will be. And if they get to a Challenge Cup final or a Grand Final or get into the playoffs... Are they going to then have the balls to do that in a final or an important match? Because that's a dilemma for them. Do they? Are they going to play like this all season? That's the first question. If they are going to play like this all season, are they going to then transfer that into the important games? Because that's taking a big risk in a one-off match where it could, you know, a couple of bad decisions and the game's gone but then if they play it safe then they lose all that spark that they had in the season and they won't be playing their natural game so I think it might be difficult for Warrington this year for that reason then it was the World Club Challenge which Sydney Roosters won 2012. I didn't see all of the game, but 
by the looks of what I did see, Saints fought hard, they was in it at half time, and it seems to always be the case, these big games, especially the games against Aussie sides, always seems to be, six, for 60 minutes at least, it's a battling performance, it's neck and neck, you know, the game swings one way and then it swings the other and then one side's in front and the other's in front. But then, after those 60 minutes, that better quality always comes through in the end. And I think that's what happened in that game. No real shock. Saints won't be too bothered. You know, at the end of the day, it is only a World Club challenge. You know, before the start of the season, they wouldn't have been that wouldn't have been top of their priorities. I don't think anyway. Wouldn't have been my top priority. Back to back grand final wins would have been my priority, and a Challenge Cup ahead of World Club Challenge. Why is the World Club Challenge not a pre-season game? By the way, why is it not a neutral ground? You know. I don't think it was a sellout at St Helens, but I think that's because it's treated as just another a random game shoved in wherever wherever the space. You know, it, it seems to be like oh, oh, oh. What about the World Club Challenge? What about, oh, we forgot about that. Oh, stick it in this week. You know, it's sort of like all oh, last minute stuff. And it's not really marketed or promoted. It's just like, oh, another fixture to contend with. So yeah, a lot about a lot more needs to be made about that. I think because we look at football, and I'm pretty sure the big sellers the Champions League, in it, and we we see Wigan and. Warrington every week. We we see all the English sides together pretty often. We it's not often we get the chance to see the best of Australia versus the best of England. So that should be more should be made of that and maybe there should be some sort of Champions League structure um for rugby league. Moving on, Saints, uh, not Saints, Salford lost to Leeds at home. Uh, Leeds won 22-8. And Salford were leading at our time. So two contrasting performances there from the Red Devils, who I don't think have been that good this year. Ian Watson weren't that happy about the referee. I didn't see the game properly. So, I can't comment on that. But Salford now, they've lost back-to-back -back home games. Which, after being in a grand final last year, it's not really what you want, is it? And this week, they're at home again. But, I think they might get back to winning ways this week. Because they're playing Wakefield. And I'll have more on that in the predictions later on I think Leeds they've been impressive I think they've gone under the radar a bit 
Remember last year that that other coach, the Aussie coach, I always forget his name. But I think was that one win out of seven. So you know, for a long time they were threatening relegation for most of the season actually. For one of the and that's one of the most successful Super League sides in history. Leeds' first match weren't that good, but then then they got the 52 points against Hull KR. And then, obviously, they've got this win against uh, Salford. So you could say they've not really played anybody top, and the top side they did, if you can call Hull FC a top side, they lost. So, still question marks over how Leeds are going to be doing this year. But they've got back-to-back wins and they're facing a big test against Warrington actually this week and for them I think it's the best time to be playing Warrington at the moment because Warrington are out a farmer quite a bit I think. Moving on, Wigan beat Hull 26-12. This was another one that was a tight game until the second half and... I think I said this about Hull FC last week actually as well. That performance in the second 40 minutes was off last week as well as this week. Last week it was against Saints. They had two points at half time and by full time Saints had 32 points. So that were 30 points they conceded. And then same again. A little less points conceded but same sort of stuff. Bevan French were up to his old tricks again. Jackson Hastings, he was on top form. I think he's doing even better than he did at Salford. And it's a tough period now for Hull FC because they've played two of the grand final rivals and they ain't been in the game for the full 80 minutes. They've cracked both times in the second half, lost both games. And many are saying these are dark horses for the grand final. Well, they ain't going to be if they, if they don't change this. Next three for them, not considering Challenge Cup, is Catalans, Wakefield and Warrington. So, there's some work to do. And... They could lose any of those games, but they could win all of those games. And the time when I stop saying they could do this and they could they could go one way or the other is the time that they are fully settled side. And, you know, as long as you don't know how to predict, predict Hull FC, they're not quite there, basically. And other results from the Challenge Cup, York narrowly beat London 24-22, which that's good for York because I think they needed a win after a very poor start. I don't think they won a game in the championship so far. So that'll be good for them. London will probably be disappointed with that one, but the main focus is getting up into Super League again. So... Are they in the... They're not in the 1895 Cup, are they? So they can solely focus on getting back up now, whereas 
quite a few of the other championship sides have got Challenge Cup and 1895 Cup. Is that going to make a difference? It could well do. Widness battered Oldham 52-12. No surprises there, but Widness hitting 52 points, whether it's against a newly promoted side or not, is a good sign for the chances. Sheffield, this time they come out on top against Halifax, lost by a point a couple of weeks ago against Halifax. This time they narrowly beat them again. Similar to York, I think Eagles needed this win to get them off the mark, to put a bit of confidence back into the team, to not be worrying and panicking. So, yeah, I, th I think they're against Workington next round. So, that's a good draw for them. They might be in, they could, they've got a big chance of being in round six, which is the last stages of the comp as well. And if they get a favourable draw then, you know, they could be the, this year's Halifax. But we all know how Halifax's season was overall, so is that a poison chalice? Who knows? Featherstone beat Barrow by two points. Interesting game, that. 18-16 it was, and they were level at half-time as well. So Barrow was in it for the whole game. Only a penalty separated the two sides, so is there a bit of complacency from Featherstone Rovers? I'm not sure what kind of side they put out. Did they put out a weakened team, maybe? But yeah, they threw anyway, so, you know, it's a win. Lee, again, they score high. They beat Batley 36-10. They're through. They've won every single game, convincingly. And the main tie I'm looking at in that round, next round is Hogar. The Lee Centurions. I think that would be my pick for live coverage. Because you've got Hulk KR. We've got a whole new squad. There's some promise in there. But they heavily bat for relegation. And Lee are flying high. Scoring so many points. Are one of the favourites for promotion. And I think that will be a a good tie, an interesting tie. And it'd be better than the same old bloody Bradford on BBC every bloody time. So please do not put Bradford on again. Thank you in advance. Now then, for the stats, and there's some quite interesting stats this week actually. In terms of try scorers, who KR? Who? have been, well, the table shows they're one of the worst sides in the league. In terms of try scored, they, they're six, so six top try scorers and only one less than St. Helens. Obviously, Saints have not played as many games as Hull KR, but there's other teams there that are ahead of Saints, who have played four games, and Hull KR are not far behind them as well. So, it's that defence that's really letting Hull KR down, because they're good in attack. Top three teams, for errors, 
This is no surprise. Toronto Wolfpack. Hull KR. Wool, uh, Warrington Wolves. So then, the teams with the most errors. I wonder who's in the teams for the most offloads. Toronto. Wolves. Hull Kingston Rovers. No surprises there. You know, you take the risks, but in the end, you're going to be making the most errors. And you're going to be conceding points because of it. And yeah, Hull KR, they're the six top try scorers, But they've conceded the most points. A lot of points, actually. So, is there a balance to be made? Possibly. As I referred to earlier, Salford have lost two home games on the bounce. Warrington have lost all the away matches, albeit they've only had two away matches. Wigan at home, they've won every single one. Huddersfield, I referred to this earlier, they've won all of the games away from home. And looking at 2019... In all of 2019, they only had six wins, six away wins. So, after three games, they were already halfway there in terms of matching last year's away wins. It took them till the end of May to get three away victories, and it's not even March yet. And to surpass those three wins... It took them till July. So, there's a, there's a clear difference there. Huddersfield going quite well. The teams who are conceded the most points. Two have already hit the 100 barrier. Toronto conceded 116. Hull KR conceded 111. Salford not far behind, conceding 98. Hull FC are the fourth most conceded with 78 and the fifth most Castleford have conceded 73 points. That's interesting because Castleford, um, one of the teams who have conceded the most and let's look at the teams they've played, Wakefield, Catalans, Wigan and Toronto. I think you'd expect them to be more defence, more better in defence against these sides. I don't think they've played that many top sides. Yet they're conceding 73 points. I think that's that's a worrying thing for them. They need to sort that out because they're not going to be joint top conceding like that. Anyway, that were your stats. Moving on to the predictions, and I'm pleased to say last week I got every single one right. So, let's hope we can do that again. First match, Hull KR v Castleford. Now, Hull KR, they've lost the last three. Their only win is against Wakefield, who are a relegation favourite. Looking at the head-to-heads... Hull KR, when they've played Castleford at home, they've won just once in the last five. So this favours Castleford who are away. Overall, in the last five meetings, 
home and away, both sides have won twice and drawn once. So in terms of that, it's evenly matched. But the home form for OKR, they don't win at home against Castleford. They've won just once out of the last five, as I just said. They're shipping a hell of a lot of points, 111, I've just said. If Castleford stay disciplined, Castleford don't know how they're playing. They know these offloads are coming. You know, if they're wise to that, they're going to come out on top. And I think Castleford will win. Leeds v Warrington. I don't think Warrington are on a good run at the moment. Those two, those 22 points conceded against what, uh, Toronto last week, that rings alarm bells for me. And they lost to Wakefield the week before. But then they beat Saints before that. So they're going from one extreme to another, much like they did last year. Leeds, though, they're in good form. But in the last five meetings against Warrington, they've won just twice. However, when Leeds are at home, they've won three out of the last five. In the last two games, Leeds, this is in Super League in 2020, in the last two games, they've conceded just 18 points. So I think that's good defence, clearly. And they've scored quite a few too. I think Warrington, again, if Leeds are wise to these offloads and they make errors, I think Leeds win. Now it's Toronto v Saints. I've not I've not predicted a Toronto win yet. I've been right every time. Toronto though, they're getting closer each week. But I think each each week the games are getting tougher for them and it's going to be a while before they actually play some lesser quality sides they've added Tony Gigo which will help them obviously the squad is still Fred Burr obviously we know all about Saints and there's not much to say because they're going to have too much quality and Saints are going to win. Unless they put out a severely weakened side, which I see no reason why they would. Huddersfield v Wigan. Huddersfield, the only unbeaten side left in the competition. I think this one, this one's a tough one to predict. And it'll be a good marker of where Huddersfield will finish this year, I think. Or at least whether they're going to be top half, bottom half. The last five meetings, that gives you no indicator either because it's been win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. However, when Huddersfield are at home, they win just one out of the last five. So, when Huddersfield are at home, we can usually come out on top. Bevan French is a tough guy to defend against we know all about Jackson Hastings and they've got other firepower in the side as well Wigan win Hull FC the Catalans another two sides that you 
can't really predict at the moment. You can't really tell whether they're going to be brilliant or horrendous. Same story as it was last year. Hull, they've won three out of the last five meetings against Catalan Dragons. And I think Hull, given the current form, they're going to have to go out there and prove a point. They're going to be making an extra effort in that second 40 minutes, I think. They've got to do. Catalans have had a week off. Last time they did that, they won the week after. So, will they do that again? They've not played away from home this year, Catalans, yet. So, we don't know whether that away hoodoo is still going to continue. But I look at Josh Griffin and Josh Jones, and I think they create a lot. They've got the good goal kicker in Mark's need. And that's why Hull will win. Salford v Wakefield. This is another interesting game. They're all interesting games. Salford lost the last two home matches. So do we favour Wakefield? This for Salford is the perfect opportunity to put the bad home form to right. But, you know, apart from... Apart from St. Helens beating Toronto this week, this match is my banker. And I'll tell you why. It's been pretty even in terms of the head-to-head. There's no team that wins back-to-back wins that often when these two play each other. But Wakefield are not that great at the moment, are they? And they've lost the last two away games this year which was against Hull KR and Castleford, which are not the best sides in the competition. And Salford, their only win has been against Toronto, which, that's a concern for them. But, 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 I think they've come up against sides at the wrong time, at least for them anyway. They've played Huddersfield, who were banging form, and they've played... Leeds, who at that time, well, they still are. They played Leeds when they was in form. And on the opening day, they played St. Helens. So a Salford in the false position, you know, most of that squad was in the grand final. There's still a lot of them there. A win here is going to kickstart the season. But the crucial bit here is, in the last 10 meetings... The home side in the fixture, whether that's Salford or Wakefield, has come out on top 8 out of 10 times. So the Wakefield side in this fixture has won just twice. Salford are at home. I think Salford have got the better squad. And that's why Salford will pick up the second two points of the season. And... On that note, that is it for this week's podcast. I should always say do all the like and subscribe stuff, but when I hear it on other podcasts, I just think, oh, for God's sake, this bit again. So do what you bloody want, but keep listening, hopefully. Hopefully my predictions helped you out last week. Hopefully they're going to help you out again. I wonder what next week has in store. Find out next week. Out at the same time. See ya.
later.